Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Acts chapter 18. Let's look at Acts chapter 18. If you're new or visiting, we greatly encourage you to have a Bible. If you don't have one with you today, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. If you look down towards the floor, you'll see a little rack. Uh, If you need to slide over and get one, slide over. It's so important that you're in the Word of God. And so, uh, we welcome those who are watching right now on the internet. We welcome you. We're in Acts chapter 18. We're actually going to start in verse 7. If you're, again, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. And so let's just go ahead and open in prayer because we're going to cover quite a few verses this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for using us, Lord, in so many different ways. And we thank you for that opportunity to be used of you. As we're going to see this morning, it's all about availability. Uh, it just tied in perfectly with the study. No intentions that way. It just, that's your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you for that, and we just ask your blessing upon your word this morning. I pray for the gift of teaching, that every heart watching, every heart sitting here, every heart that hears this, maybe months or years from now, would grasp that we need a heart transformation. We just don't need another Bible study. We need a heart transplant. So, Father, touch our hearts. Give us wisdom and discernment as we go over these verses. In Jesus' name, amen. So the theme for the study today is going to be, if you'd like to keep this in the forefront of your mind, study the word, know the word, meditate on the word, So that God might use you to illuminate someone's life with the truth of the full gospel. And you'll understand what that means when we get towards the end, the full gospel. So again, if you're here just for another Bible study, maybe three points and a conclusion, um, we don't do that here. This is the emphasis that we want you to have as a disciple of Jesus Christ that I try to have, is to study the word, know the word, meditate on the word, so that God might use you, remember when we leave these doors, we're going out into our mission field, that God might use you to illuminate someone else's life with the truth of the full gospel. So Acts 18, verse 7. And he departed from there, Paul here, and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And we studied this last week. You can get the CD if you weren't here. And, for, and many of the Christians hearing, Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And that's why I wanted to start in verse 7 so we get the context of our text this morning. Do not be afraid which kind of insinuates that Paul was a little concerned about what was going to take place. And do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will hurt you, for I have many people in this place. Notice that, I have many. There's other believers. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So for a year and a half. Now for our text this morning, then Galileo 
was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galeo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters." And he drove them from the judgment seat. You see, the enemy doesn't take a holiday. We may be having a virus and we, and, and we might think, well, you know, I got time off. I get to stay home and work from home. That's great. But the enemy, our spiritual enemy, does not take a holiday ever. And so here we see he stirs up the religious Jews again to come after Paul. This time they brought him before the Roman authorities. They just didn't chase him out of town in hopes that they would silence him because Rome did not allow the propagation of new religions. Very important. Judaism was an already accepted religion by Rome, so they tried to point out that Paul was starting a new religion. Here's the problem, you Roman officials. He's starting a new religion called Christianity. But this actually backfired on them. Galileo was the Roman governor over the area known as Achaia, and, was judge, and what judgment he passed would be established as a legal precedent. Galileo viewed the charges as directly dealing with Judaism and had no desire to participate in questions about their Jewish law. The other thing I noticed here is that Paul was going to defend himself. Notice in verse 14, And when Paul was about to open his mouth... This probably would have caused a riot if you've been with us at all, if you studied Acts at all. Every time Paul opened his mouth, he was arrested or a riot started. It, it was just amazing. The Lord intervened. And I have found that most of the time it's best to leave your defense, my defense, in the hands of the Lord. Uh, pastor Chuck, who's at home now in heaven, taught us many, many years ago as senior pastors, leaders, don't worry about people. Just keep serving the Lord. The truth will eventually come out. Just stay focused on heaven. Let God be your defense. And if you read the Psalms, David makes this point over and over and over again, that the Lord is my defense. The Lord is my defense. Now, that doesn't mean we can't say something here or there, but as a whole, if somebody's coming against you, just let it go and just keep marching forward. Put your head down and keep marching forward in truth because you're not going to stop it. God will take care of it. God sees what no man can see, the issue of the heart. You see, God has a way of showering favor on his children. Think about this statement, even in your own life. I can think my brain can, my brain can immediately start going back, and I'm not going to waste anybody's time, but it can immediately start going back over this scenario and this scenario and this scenario. In my life personally, and people coming against me, but I just put my head down and kept plowing, just like a dumb old ox. I'm just going to keep plowing. I'm just going to keep plowing. And God showed favor. Sometimes that takes years. Sometimes that takes years. But God is faithful. Verse 17. Then all the Greeks took Thosides, the ruler of the synagogue. So Christmas has been replaced. Now we have a new ruler, Thosides, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. Anti-Semitism. <laughs> we hate you. 
But Galileo took no notice of these things. Interesting. Antisemitism was alive. It is growing today, even in Europe. Even, this is so hard to believe, guys. I hope that you're reading. Even in Germany. Didn't they get it? Anti-Semitism. That means you're speaking against the Jews. You see, the Greeks grabbed Sosthenes, the new ruler of synagogue, beat him before Galileo. But we'll read in 1 Corinthians 1.1 this. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. Interesting. Interesting. We do not know for sure if this is the same man, but it probably is. Because the next verse shows us that Paul remained in Corinth for a season, ministering right next door to the synagogue. It's amazing what God can do. It might even have been a faithful witness of Crispus that brought Thosthenes to salvation. We'll find out in heaven. But in verse 18, we read, So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centria, for he had taken a vow. Now, if you're new to the word, I'll explain this because this sounds kind of weird, but we'll get there. So at this point, we're going to finish up Paul's second missionary journey. Three that we know of have taken place. This is his second missionary journey. And then we're going to see him set off on his third. His second missionary journey that we've been studying about for the last few weeks lasted between two to four years in totality. And we have seen that he had tremendous success with new converts and churches being established. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because his journey has also had its trials and tribulations. But we have seen over and over again that God is always faithful. So important this morning with what Beth shared, with what's happening in our society, um, the suicide rate. Guys, this is just reality. The suicide rate is going up. Why is it going up? Hopelessness. Hopelessness. I've lost my job. I can't pay rent. I can't pay the bills. We're going to be homeless. Hopelessness. Well, with God, we don't have to be hopeless because God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.4, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, I thank my God always. Notice that as we read these verses. Do we have a thankful heart, even through what we're going through right now? It's hard. It's confusing. But we have to have a thankful heart. Why? Well, as believers... We should know, Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for the good. He works all, not some things, not a few things, all things together. And so we need to have a thankful heart. That doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to be joyful or happy. We need to work through those emotions. There is sorrow, there is grief, there is trauma, of course. But we need to make sure we always go back to God and say, God, thank you. Concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you by by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him. Notice that, that you were enriched in everything. Before you knew Jesus as your Savior, just think about this in your own mind. How rich were you? Now, this isn't a health and wealth church. So I'm not talking about your finances. 
how many houses you might have had or cars you might have had. How rich? Did you have a fullness of peace? Did you have a fullness of love and of comfort and contentment? Were you just overflowing with joy? Or did you have a rotten attitude? What what was your attitude about? What was your life about? You see, here we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as Christians. This day, this is a fact. We, as Bible-believing Christians, have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. That's God, guys. We should know that we are enriched, that you are enriched in everything by Him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as a testimony of Christ was confirmed. Those two words, confirmed in the Greek, they mean to make firm, to establish. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to make you firm in your Christian walk? If you're relying on your mate or you're relying on a pastor or you're relying upon a church, wrong, so wrong. You need to rely upon the word of God. You need to rely upon your prayer time. You need to have that private devotional time so that you become established. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. I mean, notice these guys. This is a letter written to the early church that was having sex outside of marriage, that was causing division within the church, that were getting drunk at their agape feast. This is not a church that was right on. They had it all together church. They were messed up. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end. That word confirm, there's the same word that I just defined, to make firm, to establish. So who makes us firm? Who establishes us? We determine that. Is it the news? Is it the news that makes me firm and establishes me? Not for me, it's not. Maybe for other people, but not for me. Is it our politicians that establish me and make me firm? Is it my mate? No, it's got to be the word of God. It's got to be prayer. And then we as believers can come along and help in that process. Yes, we do help one another to establish and become firm. But predominantly, it's a personal responsibility first and foremost. I need to be allowing the Holy Spirit to shape me and mold me. Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Notice that verse 9. God is faithful. Is Jim always faithful? Feel free to take your heads and shake it this way. No, because Jim's just a man. Now, was Jesus always faithful? Feel free to shake your heads, yes. No matter what a person might say on the Communist National Network, Jesus was always faithful. He never sinned. He never sinned. He is a spotless lamb of God. We can totally trust in him. Does that mean we can't totally trust in others? No, no, no. Don't go on either extreme. We can trust each other, but just remember, we will fail each other because we're humans. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to forgive. We need to get people back up. Say, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. All right, you messed up. So what? Let's go. Let's keep going. Come on. God is faithful. That word faithful there is trustworthy, trustful, one who can be relied upon. 
God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship. That word fellowship is koinonia or partnership. God and me, God took me as a partner. I didn't take God. I mean, a lot of times we'll read the scripture, we'll think, well, I accepted God. Well, as you read the word, you realize first, God accepted you while you were still a sinner, God accepted you. You just came to the realization and accepted Jesus as your savior, which meant, yeah, now I'm partnering with God. God was ready at any point to partner with me. It, It was already done at the cross. He was just waiting for me. So by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So important as we see religion declining in America. Religion is declining in America. I mentioned this before, but if you want to do a little study on nuns, not Catholic nuns, nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Just Google nuns. Those are 20 and 30-year-olds that have, been, that have done surveys and they say, we want nothing to do with religion. They will not go to church. They're not going to church. They've given up on church. And not just religious churches that we might think of in our head, including Christianity. We don't want nothing to do with Christianity either. Why would they say that? Why do you think they would say that? Because they're looking at Christians and going, well, who are you? What do you represent? Do you really believe? Do you really believe what you believe? Or do you act one way on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week, I I live with you. I see how you behave. I see what you watch. I listen to what you listen to. Yeah, you carry your Bible on Sunday morning, but who are you the rest of the week? Guys, this is a reality. In these days we're living in, people, all people are watching us. They want to know, do you have a difference in your life or are you just like everybody else? We need to be different, not for self-righteousness purposes, not at all. But they do need to see a living hope, a living hope. Back in chapter 18, for me, I see another encouraging testimony about the calling of God upon a person's life. God has is, God is not changed. He is still faithful and desires to do the same with us today. He is constantly looking for those who desire to be available for the work of the ministry. You see, Paul has made a Nazarite vow in here. And when I say that, I'm talking about Priscilla and Aquila, as I mentioned last week. And again, I'll mention that again in a few verses here. But let's look at this Nazarite vow, because this is kind of strange, especially if you're not familiar with the Bible. And you want to read from Genesis to Revelation. When you get to Numbers, you're going to have a really hard time. So don't get bogged down in it. Just skim through all the names, because I could spend a week trying to pronounce them, and it's not going to do anything. Skip some stuff and get, but don't skip all of it because there's tremendous information in there. But don't get bogged down and say, I'm not going to read any of it because, boy, tremendous information. This was a voluntary vow in which a person would not get a haircut after being shorn or shaved, kind of like me. Now, I don't need haircuts because there's not much there anyways. But when you take this Navarite vow, you would cut off all your hair. You were not allowed to partake of wine or strong drink. Or of anything from the vine. And you can check that out in Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. A person could make a vow for whatever length of time he desired. Whether it was six months, three months, two years, whatever. It was a private commitment between God and him. So when we think about this, does this mean that Paul was living under the requirements of the law once again? Not at all. He wasn't going back to the law, but had made a personal commitment 
to spend time focusing upon God's will for his life through a season of denying a fleshly appetite. Now again, I know some people will argue this, and and I will not argue it. It's just fact. They didn't only drink water in that day and age. Some Christians will say, you're never allowed to have any alcohol whatsoever because it's not biblical. Well, you're going to have a hard time with that if you read your whole Bible. Yes, you are allowed to drink alcohol. You're just not supposed to get drunk. So if you have one drink and it affects your mind, then you need to not drink, period. It's that simple. Just keep it simple. And so what, how would this relate to us today? Well, what would you maybe want to give up? Maybe social media for 30 days. <gasps> Are you kidding me? If that's your response, yeah, you probably need to give it up for 30 days. And you will be refreshed, believe me. You will be refreshed. But maybe it's that. And why do that? For the sake of I'm self-righteous and I'm going to prove a point. I can do it for 30 days. You've already missed it. Notice that you can spend time with God. and spend a, Instead of spending that half hour or hour or two hours on social media, you spend that half hour, hour or two hours reading a Bible or reading a Christian book or praying or, or meditating on some, some verses. See what will happen in your life. This is what Paul is doing. Maybe it was to keep him focused after his current missions, the two missions, especially after Philippi. He was also preparing for himself for that time in Jerusalem. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You see, as we have seen time and time again, Paul has a desire to reach his fellow Jews, and he was going back to the city of his religious upbringing. We're going to see as in our text here. And so again, as Christians, do we need another Bible study, or do we need encouragement to go out and minister to people who are going to hell? That's what we need, and this is what this is all about. It's a Bible study, it's discipling to get you focused once again that we go out, it's past week, whatever happened, whoever rejected us, whatever, it's done, it's not coming back. New week, if we get to see it, God may call somebody home today, but if we get to see it, it's a new week. Different people. It's amazing. I don't see the same person very often. I don't know about you, but when I go shopping, I don't see the same person very often. So for us in this, in this life, in this reality, we've got to remember, sometimes we only got one shot. We only got one shot in our Christian walk to leave an impression, to share the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Notice that. He's free. I don't have to worry about Jews and what they think about me, whether I keep the Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I don't have to worry about the Gentiles, what they think of me, being a Jew, because I'm not trying to meet the law anymore to get, to get saved. I'm saved. Verse 20, but, but notice at the end of verse uh, 19 there, that I might gain the more, that, that I might have an impact. So guys, this is for you and me today. For you young people that, don't, that are going to keep hearing as you continue to grow that the Bible's irrelevant, it's archaic, it's chauvinistic, it has no value, it's not relevant to today, it is always relevant. It is always relevant. 
And under the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. In other words, what are the two greatest commandments of the law? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Would we have to mess with any social justice if every single person loved God and loved one another? There would be no social injustices. Social justice is a problem because we're not focused on God and we're not focused on each other. We're focused on self. What am I going to get out of this? What's in it for me? So Paul says this, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak, in verse 22, notice, to the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. Notice the humility here. I am made all things to all men, or mankind there, male or female, that I might by all means save some. Notice that, save some. Now again, Paul didn't do any salvation Read your whole Bible. Paul's not insinuating that God saves. Paul knows that. But he does use us to help in that saving process, guys. He desires to use us. Back in Acts 18, 19 through 21, and Paul came to Ephesus and left them there. Who were they left? Priscilla and Aquila. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. So they sailed east across the Aegean Sea to Ephesus, where Paul went to his fellow Jews to show them through the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. The Jews were very receptive here and even desired Paul to stay longer but he was intent on making the feast in Jerusalem. Again, was this a sign that he was going back to the law? No way. It was just an ideal opportunity to go home because again, remember, at these feasts, all Jewish males were required to attend three major feasts every single year to see the various brothers that would come back to Jerusalem, the birthplace of the Christian church. Notice in verse 20, and when Paul had landed in Caesarea, now, we're, we canceled the trip in March of 21. I'm not going to go into details, but we had to cancel it, obviously, because of the virus. But we have rescheduled, if you'd like to join us, for April of 22. And we have the information on the website if you'd like to join us. So April of 22. And we actually go to Caesarea. It is still there to this day. Nothing like it used to be. Nothing like it used to be. They have models of what it looked like originally. Unbelievable. Uh, just unbelievable how beautiful it was. So when Paul had landed at Caesarea and got up, gone up and greeted the church, so he landed in Caesarea, he went to Jerusalem, he went back down to Antioch. So it's very quick in that one verse there. He lands at Caesarea, he goes up, he spends the feast, he spends time in Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden we find him back at Antioch where he started his first missionary journey, his second missionary journey, and now his third missionary journey. 
So this happens very quickly. So sometimes when we read a verse, we got to slow down and realize, wow, what just happened there? Well, he landed in Caesarea, which is on the coast of Israel. He went up to Jerusalem, greeted the church, and then he went back down to Antioch, which was basically home base for him. Made a very quick round trip. But I'd like to look at the word greeted here in verse 22. It's very important. This word greeted means to enfold in the arms, to receive joyfully, to draw to oneself. What is this implying? What we would call today a hug. Now, I know today we have to be careful for a season. I understand that. I get it. I comply with that. It's very important that we do because the virus is real. I know everybody's got opinions, but the virus is real. Um, Is it overblown? Yes, I believe it is, but it is real to a certain extent. So we do have to be careful. But here we're seeing that Paul greeted. We see the wonderful aspect of the church. And this is like going to a retreat and seeing friends that you haven't seen for a while. A year, maybe two or three years. It's that time of sharing about and seeking after the will of the Lord. Matter of fact, we are going to have a men's retreat August. uh, It's on the website. I think it's the 13th through the 15th. So we encourage you men to sign up for that. Go onto the web. You see, no matter where you go on the face of the earth, it doesn't matter if you can understand their language or not. How many of you have been to an area where you didn't understand the language and you met fellow Christians that didn't know English? Are there any of you have been to a a language? Raise your hand high so the others can see it. Don't be afraid. Nobody's going to stone you. You go to an area where you're a Christian and there's other Christians. See, there's quite a few. It's amazing the areas that we have been to, the privilege we've had to go, not know a language, but as soon as they know that we're Christians... Because they're kind of skeptical at first, and then when they're with us for a day or two, it's like they light up, they know we're real, and they want to embrace. Even if their culture is not an embracing culture, they want to embrace. Love happens instantly because of Jesus the Christ. This is what is being spoken of. You see, as Christians, we serve the same God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will eventually, guys, there's one race. Remember in Acts, we talked about it. Our culture is trying to stir up. No, no, there's various races. How many races are there? One race. Just one race. And when we get to heaven, nobody's going to say, hey, where are you from? Well, I'm from Mexico. Nobody's going to say that. One language, one race. That's it. We're eventually going to be spending time together before one throne with a common language. There will be absolutely no differences in heaven, no language barriers, nor distance or time, and I'm looking so forward to that. So after some time spent in Jerusalem, he returned to his home base in Antioch to share the good news of his second missionary journey with the church. In verse 23, after he spent some time there, so again, now he's in Antioch, but after he spent some time in Antioch, must have been a wonderful time not seeing Paul for two to four years. What happened, Paul? What happened? And Paul got to share about what took place, all those things that happened in his life and other people's lives over those two to four years. After he spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, notice what he did, strengthening all the disciples. Again, these are really important little things, principles that you and I need to look at. Last night we had the junior high kids over to the, to the house. It was a blast. It was so much fun. It was water night. We just had a blast. By the time they left, it was a cool 100 degrees. Man, it was just beautiful out. Because we were wet. 
It, it really was. It wasn't bad. And if you're watching from back east, you're probably thinking you're nuts. We are nuts. We live here. The horses died. We had to stay. So it was hot, but yet it was so much fun. And to encourage them, little moments where we could encourage them as we'd get up on the platform to do the zip line, and they were looking around and they were seeing lightning in the distance. They were going, wow, yet God, God creates this and God does this. And just getting those little time to do what? To encourage someone in the faith. Guys, don't take that for granted in your life. You have opportunities to encourage someone else in the faith. You older saints, as you're leaving Make sure that you encourage maybe somebody younger in the faith because they have a lot of pressure. I, I personally believe they have more pressure. I, I know this for a fact. When I was a teen, there was no internet. We barely had light bulbs. There was not pressure like there is nowadays. The pressure is so immense on this generation. So encourage them. Anytime you see them on campus, encourage them. Glad to see you're here. Are you part of the youth group? Well, yeah, I am. Good job. Stay focused. Hang in there. Keep doing what you're doing. Guys, encourage them in the faith. We all need it. He probably took the same land route as he did in his second missionary journey, stopping by Troas and Derby and Iconium. Luke doesn't list these all here, so we don't know, but he probably did. Antioch of Pisidia and then maybe even Laodicea or Colossae before finally stopping at Ephesus. And we'll pick up Paul's journey in the next few verses. But now Luke is going to take a step back in time a little bit to see what was taking place while Paul was away in Jerusalem and Antioch. And there is no way that we're going to get into that. So your homework for next week is to look through verses 24 through 28. But even look on past then because I'm sure next week we'll go further than that. We'll we'll start chapter 19. But I encourage you as the music team comes forward to read the word of God. And Jim, you want to throw up the very last slide, which was the very first slide, the theme, the theme of the study for today. Study the word, know the word. Guys, this is what it's all about. Young people, I can guarantee you that every older saint that wasted their life not reading the word or studying the word this morning would say amen to that. Don't waste your life on everything else. Invest your life. Be responsible. Absolutely. Get out and work. Get a job. Do all those things. But don't make that your primary focus. Make this, every one of us in this room, in these days we're living in, persecution is coming. And if you're not in the word, you're not going to stand. You're going to fall. You're going to bail. Study the word. Know the word. When somebody on the Communist National Network says, well, Jesus wasn't perfect. Really? Do you know some verses where you could say to somebody, well, you know what? That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that he was perfect. That, that, he, that he was God. That he was literally God. If Jesus wasn't God, wasn't perfect, then he wasn't God because God is perfect. Meditate on the word, guys. Don't meditate on all the nonsense. I hope you're registered to vote. If you're 18, get registered. Pray about who you're going to vote for. You need to vote. That's your right. Do it. But don't make politics and all the news your primary focus. This needs to be your focus. Why? So that God might use you to illuminate somebody else's life. Suicide is up. That's just reality. 
Who knows if we might cross somebody's path and we might be the one person to say, you know what, God loves you. God loves you. I, you know what, I just, for some reason, God just wanted me to tell you that. See ya, but I just wanted you to know, God loves you. And, and that's it, and that's all you did. But you walked away. You have no, we have no idea what the Holy Spirit's gonna do with that, but the Holy Spirit will do something with that, I can guarantee you that. The Holy Spirit will. So let's be available You are a light, Jesus said. You are the salt that we might impact somebody else's life with the truth of what? The full gospel. The full gospel. And we'll get into that next week. So that's why I want you to read ahead. We're going to learn about Apollos. Read ahead, the full gospel. Father, we thank you and praise you that you have given us. We are so blessed. All of us have a Bible, if not two, three, or four. We have the whole gospel from Genesis to Revelation. There are so many Christians today in Iran, Iraq, in Muslims countries predominantly that don't have the whole gospel. They might just have one book. They might only have a few pages because they had to tear the book apart to share the book with others. Father, we're so blessed. We're spoiled in so many ways, which has allowed us too often become lethargic, lackadaisical, lazy. We take our Christian faith for granted. But as we've seen these last four months, we shouldn't take anything for granted. This whole world has changed forevermore over these last four months. Not just one country, this whole world has changed and has been impacted. And for probably the next six to nine months, we'll be impacted continually till this virus dies out. So, Father, we want to be used. We have a living hope. Help us, Father, to take that living hope into the grocery stores, into the, to the various stores, the hardware stores, whatever it might be that we would have and express that living hope, even with mask on or no mask, it doesn't matter. That we could bless someone through a mask or without a mask. We can bless someone. We can say, God bless your day. God loves you. Have hope. This is going to pass, as Beth shared. But they might be in a place where they don't think it will ever pass. They're devastated at that very moment and they have no hope. So Lord, help us to be a part of that hope message. To lift their eyes to heaven. Your Holy Spirit will do the rest. But use us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. Have a blessed week. If you need prayer, we're still praying. Come on up. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. Uh, If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, come on up. We would love to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.